This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK. This is a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsports. My name is Pedro Lorantes, and I'm joined on the other side of my screen by one half of the Hunt Brothers, Alex Hunt. How you doing, Alex? I'm not too bad, Pedro. Happy to be here. How are you? I am drained uh, covering independence festivities. It's, it's quite a tough job, but it got me a free Saturday, so... Very nice. I, I feel like the uh, whole Mexico independence celebration needs its whole its own podcast after That's the chat we've just had. <laughs> Didn't fancy a politics podcast then, Pedro? Oh, sure thing. Pedro's politics po- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into detail, but picture picture a president doing one celebration, one huge celebration, and yep. then apply that celebration on a smaller scale. But instead of doing that on different times, you know, because we have different time zones over here. So you can watch your state celebration and your city celebration and the big one over with the president. We do them all at the same time. One big party. Yes, and reporters have a terrible time covering it because they have to start at 5 p.m. and they go to bed at 3 p.m. at 3 a.m. for yeah. And you got to be sober for it as well. Oh, dear. Not fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst bit. Yeah. Everyone's drinking. Oh. Everyone's having tequila. And you, have, you can have nothing. Yeah. How are things over in the other side of the pond, man? Well, we are... What are we now? The September the 17th. It has been... What's that? Nine days since um, Queen Elizabeth II has died. And we are... Doing what all British people like to do, and that is cute. So it's, yep. I think there's still an element of shock still happening around here. Um, whether you're a royalist or not, it's an institution such as the Queen, who's around for as long as she was, not just in terms of living, but on the throne for over seventy years. It's it's going to be a, yeah, something to new to get used to because we've had. Three generations of my family have all been born under the same queen, which mm-hmm. is quite mental when you think about it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, interesting to see where this all goes. And um, God save the king. It's, I mean, if you'll let me just make a comment and we, we just go straight into racing. Go for it. Coming from someone that, you know, I didn't live through monarchies or emperors or dictators as some people in this country have it seems crazy to me that you'll have to change your money well we we changed the money to an extent basically it will still have the same so all the money we've got whether it's coins or notes will have the queen's face on probably or for years it will it'll be legal tender possibly for at least five ten years because Uh, it's because there's no point going all the que- the money with the Queen on is worthless, can't do it. Because the amount of money you'd have to print instead of it would just be nah, that's not a not something that would be logistically possible. So it's what will happen in about probably say in a year, 18 months' time, you're gonna have a lot of the Queen's face on the money, an awful lot of Charles's face on the money. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be an interesting mix of having both. Because the Queen because we had um I think it was decimalization in the 70s. So all the new stuff we've got has only ever been the Queen. Because there's no the coins from George VI era is is that it's it's historic artifacts essentially because they're not worth money in the same sense anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it will it will change over time, but yeah, it wasn't the moment she died the five pound note I've got because her face isn't is worthless. <laughs> it was just gonna take a little bit of time before she does disappear. Okay. Yeah, I had the question in my mind for like 10 days or something like that. It it is an odd one, but it's just if you're not if you don't grow up with it or don't think about it, you get come into it and you go, huh? What? And then is it oh, you just do that. It's because we've we've known this is gonna happen for years, because when you live in Britain, that's just 
the inevitable is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But if you're not used to it as yourself, you say yourself, it's, yeah, are going to be, it's questions like that, that even people in Britain don't know. There's a lot of questions I don't know the answer to because mm-hmm. I've never lived through it. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we yeah. get in onto racing now? Uh, I think that's a good shout. I think we've, um, yeah, there's not too much to say about the Queen, I think, other than, um, yeah, rest in peace and mm-hmm. good luck to the new royal family. Yes, sir. Or the new generation of the royal family. We had two races uh, in two weeks, I believe. We had three in three weeks. We've only done one podcast in that, that time yeah, so far because we had, we had Spa, Zandvoort and Monza. Should we start with Monza or Zandvoort? Yeah, let's go with Zandvoort. Do it chronologically. Hmm? Your thoughts on the race? Uh, It was a disappointment that it ended the way it did. Because without a safety car, that builds to a fantastic end where whether Hamilton or Verstappen won, it doesn't matter. You would have Verstappen trying to hunt Hamilton down and that would have been just great fun to watch. And that would have been great drama on a track where overtaking wasn't easy, but it wasn't wasn't the hardest thing in the world. But it's, yeah, I think we missed out on a good ending there. Now, you call it disappointing, but was it the right call? I I question Alpha Tauri's release of um, Sonoda back onto the track once he'd come in with the problem. But once he'd gone back on the track and stopped, yeah, safety car was inevitable. Yeah. And yeah. I think Hamilton was... Had Hamilton pitted for soft tyres, he'd have been behind for Snappen and wouldn't have overtaken him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes, he probably would have got a podium, but I think it's... You never know what could have happened. It's one of those ones where Hamilton could have switched the tyres on instantly and just kept ahead of Verstappen and taken the win. But either if Hamilton wanted the soft tyres, he could have sold them himself. Yeah. Oh, it's no. Twitter, Twitter went mad about Tsunoda. Yeah, it just looks bad. It looks suspicious. That's the word I used. Oh, it look it does look very suspicious. It's not because if you look at what actually happened, it's just it's just what happens. It's if you think it's a wheel, then that turns out no, the wheel's fine and it's something else. You can't diagnose. I think it was, it was a differential, I think. So when you put your foot down, one wheel was spinning at a different speed to the other. Mm-hmm. And you can't really tell that until you do a standing start. Um I think had it had it been any other t- driver or any other team, there'd be no question of yeah. problems. It's only because it's Alpha Terry. And I think it's yeah, I, I the only thing I do question is why Alpha Terry would send him back out. If you yeah. know there's a problem, but driver's not happy, there's something up. It's not like Sonoda's it's not like it's his first race. He's been in 18 months now. He knows what a car should feel like. So, mm-hmm. But it's one of those things you learn. It's not... Well, it's, I don't think it's anything malicious. I don't think... I think if I was Red Bull, I, would, I wouldn't I would have thought I'd need a safety car because they would have been confident that Verstappen would call up to Hamilton anyway. So. And it's not like he needs the points. Uh, I... I gotta ask, uh, do we share the same conclusion about the race? Because when the race was over, I went from, okay, this is very iffy, this is very suspicious. It lasted about 10 minutes, and then I went, okay, this is plain stupid. Why we sh- Why should you release them? Release Sonora. And then I came to the sole conclusion that whether, regardless of what happened, it was Hamilton's race to lose. And only... Yeah. Sort of. Um, I think once the safety car's out and he's not pitted and he's on the hard tyres and this happens on the softs, it's... I wouldn't say it's his to lose. If it was Monaco, then yes, it would have been. But I think on a track which showed you could overtake against a car which is comfortably the fastest at the moment, and it's just, yeah, that Red Bull is a missile down the straight. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think he could have defended better. 
I think I would have done two things differently. I would have waited right till the line to put my foot down and then not put the car in the wrong engine mode. Um, but other than that, I think it's, it's not, I don't think Hamilton lost it as much as the safety car lost it for, for him. Okay. Would be my thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think we're missing a rating on the, on the race. Uh, I'm going to give it a two because it didn't build up. So it's, it's, uh, how do I, how do I put this? We did all the boring bit and do a bit of the intrigue going on. The first 40, 15 laps are going, oh, this, this could build something. In those last 20 laps is where the excitement is. And that got taken away, meaning it's a two. Had we got the whole race without a safety car, it's probably a four. Or possibly four and a half. But it's we had a bit of the boring bit, but we didn't get the exciting bit at the end. All right. Yeah. It's like listening to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, listening to the first four minutes, and then go, now nah, I'm done. Which is just, no, you don't do that. Yeah. Listen to the whole thing. And it's just it was just one of those things, unfortunate. But <laughs> good enough to listen to the first minutes of Stairway to Heaven without listening to the, the final four minutes. Listen to all of it. It's 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 the greatest fucking comparison in the world. I speak three languages, <laughs> and I I couldn't have worded it in any better way in any of those three languages. I gotta agree. It's a it's yeah. It's definitely a two, two and a half at most. If you're being really optimistic, uh, should we move into the other controversy the following weekend at uh? Monza. Uh, <laughs> it was not as, as yeah. big. No, no. It, it, I, it's, I didn't scroll through it as much. So I, I don't know if it was as big. I, I would argue it. I would argue it is as as a, a not. It's not a controversial moment because the rules were followed. Yes, it's controversial because it is the first time since Abu Dhabi last year that those rules needed to be followed, and it's in stark contrast to Abu Dhabi that. This is what should have happened, and at no point should it not have happened in Abu Dhabi or Monza. Mm. And whilst it's boring, it's life. Safety car finishes have happened before. It's, it's life. It's annoying. Go on with it. But because of the absolute black and white nature of it, it will it will cause uproar mm. in some ways because it, it it's what's essentially done. It's just proved that. Hamilton was cheated out of the title at Abu Dhabi. Yeah, pretty much. Because everyone has defended what happened in Monza to the hilt. Even um, Christian Horner was defending. He said something should have been done to make it more entertaining, but he said the right things were done. It basically admits that the FIA were not only wrong, but very, very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, given the way that um, the FIA have their very hardest to take that brush sweep it under the carpet as far as they can go it won't go any further than uh, right in people's faces it, it, it's it's like it's like staining a white shirt with mustard you can scrub it all you want you can put it in the drying and the, and the washing machine all you want put 20,000 fucking detergents on it there's a stain and the stain's not going away Okay. Uh, we're all about comparisons tonight, it would seem. Our comparisons are spot on. Oh yes. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's the right thing was done. I I would question only one thing, why it took so long. They it was lap forty eight and there's fifty three laps. They could have got, I think, at least two laps out. Well, two laps of running, a legitimate running at the end. But I don't know what procedural issues happened. I think they caught Russell, didn't they? Well, as the leader, rather than getting Verstappen. What what took long? Like calling the safety car finish? No, in terms of it, it I don't. If if all the procedures had been followed absolutely to the letter and it had been efficient as anything, mm -hmm. we would have got one, maybe two laps of racing at the end. Oh, okay. But because of what appeared to be procedural mistakes in mm -hmm. terms of getting the wrong car as the leader, taking a bit of time to get to Ricardo's car, 
and a few other things. It, yeah, it wasted time that didn't need wasting. I've, I've thought about it. Not as much, it's not as in-depth, but it came to me that it, perhaps this is the side product or the consequence of just throwing red flags at everything. Wow. If you show a red yeah. flag, it gives you time to maneuver and, and sort of figure out what you have to oh, do. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, I, I would like to have thought that there is a um plan of action in the FIA headquarters of this car, if you have, I'd like to think there is a document that says if a car finish stops here because of an engine failure, we'll do this. But if it stops there, we'll do this. If it stops there, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. But it feels like it's Ricardo stops on track and the FIA go, ooh, ooh, should we VSC that? Should we save the car that? How do we get a lorry over there? How do we get how do we get the car out of the way? How are we going to make that work? That should all be done beforehand. It should be done on the Thursday before that you know exactly what procedure you need to do when a car stops here, there, and there. There is There was an argument for a red flag because there was footage of the car hanging off the crane as cars were driving past, which was a little bit... We, we've seen it before in much more dangerous tracks. Yeah. Well, the problem is Monza's quite thin. The width of the track isn't very big because it's essentially what it was in the 50s and it's they just haven't widened it particularly massively. So it feels quite close and it it does feel a little bit mm, odd having a car swinging less than 10, 15 feet away from cars driving past. Yes, they're not going very fast, but it's a question of whether that should be a um, should be thought of by the FIA in situations such as that. Oh, true. It's true. Yeah, there's things that are not covered in, in procedures. But I guess that if, if I look at it that way, they're, they're at least consistent. I mean, we saw that at Mario Kart. I mean, Formula E. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you go with that. Mario Kart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Formula e, that, that works. I can't remember where it was because I, I don't watch Formula E as, as I've said many, many times before, but it happened and it looked way more sketchy. Over Is that the car that was hanging up? Was it a night race? It was hanging up and swinging. Yeah, I think that was Diria. I want to say that was like 2019 or something. And the car was, no, it was, no, 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 no. We talked about it in the show. Oh, God. May have been later then. It, it had to be at least 2021. The problem is with Formula E, it's, it's just a bubble of madness that I can't remember which what happened when. Yeah, true. It's, I mean, it's, just, it's so sketchy and, and, and it's been so weird that I remember the first race. That one I watched completely. I remember one car flipping and essentially crossing the finish line. Yes. Yeah. I remember the next race, which was uh, Punta del Este in, in Uruguay. Cars just coming to a complete roadblock in one of the corners, the one that's really, really <laughs> high. And aside from that, I don't remember anything else. I think is I remember big incidents I can't place when they are. Yeah. That, that, that's my problem. I can't place it because it's just constant madness. A lot of it is just kind of, ugh. I remember it happened, but when? I don't remember when. Yeah. yeah. I can remember a lot of stuff for IndyCar. F1, even touring cars, but for formerly, I'm just, it's just a, yeah, bubble of madness that is all melds into one. Now, a rating for Monza? Um, that would be, ooh, probably a two as well. Mm. Because it was the, 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 the battle inverted commas for the lead didn't really come to anything no because of the way that yeah the, the way the virtual safety car worked and whether Verstappen or Leclerc went in it wouldn't have made a difference it it stopped there being an on-track battle because mm -hmm. I think Red Bull had Ferrari covered there I think even if you'd put Leclerc on Verstappen's strategy I 
still think Verstappen does him does him by the end. There was some decent stuff going on further down, but it didn't last very long. He had a lot of action in the first twenty or so laps, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just died Thank off. Mm-hmm. Everyone just sort of settled into a pattern, and it was yeah, unfortunate. Jesus, I mean, don't know why, but we're running out of time earlier this time around. We're we spent an awful lot of time talking at the beginning on our podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, about independencies, monarchies, and emperor. Um, America buying all the bits of land it can. Yes. Um, now we're gonna differ on. I'm gonna change. We're gonna differ on the on the rating. I'm gonna give it a three. Ooh. Not because of the racing itself, because the racing was pretty, as you said. It, at one point, it just fell flat. But there's a principle in sports writing, at least in this side of the world, because we tend to be much more, um, what's the word, black and white than uh, some European countries. There's a principle that says that it's very easy to point out the bad things, especially when teams or any sports organization is doing things the wrong way. The hard thing is coming up with the good things. And as much as I believe that what was on in Abu Dhabi was wrong, I have to applaud the fact that rules were followed and they were followed. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'll second that. The rules were followed and followed very well. So, yeah. Not going to criticize that bit. Yeah. We got eight minutes and a half. Uh, oh, let's start segueing. Um, uh, let's stick with Monda. And I'm going to um, move us on to... Um, uh, the best Dutch driver on the F1 grid in Monza. And it wasn't Verstappen. It was, it was De Vries. It was oh. Nick De Vries. Oh, yes. Because that was a great drive. I'm about to make a joke. I'm not sure how offensive it could be. Uh, I'm not aware of... Edit uh, incoming. I'm not aware of uh, Alex Alpens's, uh um condition at the time he as we oh, then yes. later learned he could very well be could have been unconscious at the time but i'm pretty yes. sure he was sweating he was sweating cold not because of him not because of his seat but you know latifi's place in the team oh yeah latifi's um i think that's the nail in the coffin for latifi unless he comes up with something amazing in the next few races he's gone yeah and I think that, and that it'll be interesting next year because either either way, you're, the word is segues quite nicely because I'm going to move on to Logan Sargent. You're either going to get De Vries in the car, which seems unlikely now because mm-hmm. I think Alpha Tariff have started going, well, we're going to nab you, mm-hmm. or Logan Sargent in the car. And either way, I think they're a major step up from, well, not major. But a, a step up from Latifi giving Albon a bit of a challenge. Because we're here going, Albon's doing really well. Albon's a genius. He's getting that Williams in the points. Yep. More than once. He's a he's a brilliant driver. But there's nothing to say that he's doing an okay job. Mm-hmm. It could be that if you put Lewis in the car, he'd be getting podiums. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that's the case. Because I think Albon's probably overdriving the car in terms of results. I'm not sure. Other than Monza, I'm not sure getting points was... But I, he did very well to get points. And since I don't think he was in the fifth fastest car at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it, it's going to be a step up for for, for Albon to see if he can still lead the team. And now that De Vries is going somewhere else, it looks like Sargent, if he finishes fifth in F2 Championship, he's going to be in that car for next year. Because Which I'm good with. There's, there's a segue of the segue because Ooh. it did F2 and Colton Herta did not. Well, that that's a yes. That's um, ooh. I feel that burning it, already. It's almost as if some people, uh, which we all know the names, that command an organization name after three letters with a French name don't want to admit that certain category, uh, racing series in America is not a junior series yes I'm uh, it's a uh, 
That's a very annoying one. Because there are two major series in America. It, three, technically. I'll, I'll go with three. I'll be nice. NASCAR, I don't think, should be getting many super license points. Yeah. Because of the way the racing is and what you're driving. don't get any. Which I think is fair. Yeah. IMSA, do they get points? Because I feel like they should. I feel like I should get something, particularly with the convergence with the um, the European teams in a World Endurance Championship. There yeah. might be some points going their way. It's really sketchy, yeah. and it's not the way drivers look for points because it depends on the track. Oh, yeah, yeah. In terms of it, if you're going into IMSA, you're probably not going to be an F1, but it's... Yeah, I think you're, you're looking more into NASCAR than... Or, yeah, or, or, or even IndyCar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's more that there's an element of if IMSA and WEC essentially converge, you're gonna have to start giving IMSA points. Yeah, mm -hmm. but at this point, yeah, it's fair enough not giving them many, if any at all, because you're essentially driving you're driving around um, Belle Isle, aren't you? At some point, and that's just not other than Monaco. That's just not comparable to F1 yet. Um, but IndyCar, how is it? It's not a junior series in any way, shape, or form. And I, mm -hmm. I, I am baffled by the fact that just it, you, if you finish top 15 in IndyCar, you should automatically get a super license. Yes. Because it's, you're, there are drivers there who are F1 quality. We know this. Grosjean, Ericsson. They weren't world champions and probably never were going to be, but they're still F1 quality. And then you've got Newgarden, McLaughlin, Herter, it's all subject. And it's award. And you've got a load of drivers who are definitely good enough to be an F1, but they're not allowed to because there's not enough points, which mm. is silly. It's it, I, should make, I should make the point that the FI have come to the right decision because that's what the rules are. The problem is the rules are stupid. Yes. So I think what F the FI's decision to not give HERSA a super license at this time is correct because of the rules that exist. However, those rules, in my opinion, shouldn't exist in the way they do. The result is fine, but the process you follow to get to that result yes. is fine. Absolutely. Because Galton Herter is EA is the youngest IndyCar winner of all time. Yes. Which if you think about it, it's quite a feat. Because you've got Mario Andretti. AJ Foyt, uh, just anyone, Will Power, Dixon, Friend Kitty. Colton Hurt is much worse than them, then is he? And all oh. of those drivers have been in being F1. They may not be world champions, but they'll all be good enough in F1 to be more than competitive. Yeah. So is Herter worse? I don't think so. We get to he does like a bit of a crash, I will say, but then yeah. Verstappen liked a lot of crashes before 2018. Yeah. So that's what happens when you put a 21-year-old in a rear-wheel drive car with open wheels around street circuits. Look, we got two minutes. I was going to make a comment, but it won't fit in two minutes. So I'm going to close this thing and then move into my bigger comment on the other call. You were mentioning crashes. We were mentioning yeah. quality of drivers and of driving. Pastor yep. Maldonado made a living <laughs> at a handshake, and he was 32 years old. Oh yeah, that was, yeah. Oh. if Maldonado gets a super license, and which I assume he still holds, to my understanding, uh, expire, no, do they? I don't think. I think it's expired on the basis he's not been F one since 20... 2015. and he's not done anything else internationally. I don't think so. I think he's got. I think he's expired his license because well, I think the yeah. same sort of goes for Rossi that he's expired, but he needs to get it. He would need to get it renewed in a certain way. Well, point is, before this thing cuts us off, if Maldonado got a license, then there's no sane reason why Herta shouldn't have one. Because Maldonado went through GP2. We go back to that the process well. thing, the March process. Yeah, and he also got into F1 before the license, the points existed. Oh, okay. He's that much older than her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you want that for reference. Oh, yeah. 
So after a massive sprint finish to our first call, the first bit of the show, because yep. as you guys know, if you if you you Zoom before, I mean we're limited to forty minutes at a time. Um, I was gonna make a point that didn't fit on the minute and a half we had left. Thing is, the super license thing in American drivers boils down with me to a single thing. This is why I believe they should be judged differently. If you want to keep the same botch point system for Europe, fine. But at least for American drivers, specifically IndyCar drivers, it should be judged differently. Put George Russell in an oval. You know that, an oval. Put Max Verstappen, the current world champion, Lewis Hamilton. Well, no, Lewis could do it. Uh, but put Max on an oval. Yeah. You're just gonna struggle with it. Not- yeah, what you'd get is you'd get a if you were to do a four lap run, say doing qualifying for Indy 500, you'd get probably two of the quickest laps ever seen in in, in qualifying at the speedway, but then they'd crash the minute later, a half second later, because that's the skill in over racing is not. Ooh, put your foot down, go, let's go really fast. Let's always go fast. Let's turn left and go really fast all the time. <laughs> it's going quite fast without crashing. Because crashing in oval racing, whether it's a NASCAR or IndyCar, is a shit ton easier than an F1 car. Yes. And it's pretty easy to crash an F1 car. Mm-hmm. They could, here's the way I say it, they could qualify. Everyone could qualify. Oh. You're on your own. Yeah. Go to, I, I would like to see Max Verstappen go to Texas and try to run three wide at turn two. Oh, yeah. We try to choose but... a, a different line. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that in some ways, if you look at it in ways that I know FIA will never look at IndyCar, they, were, they are way more... Complete, if you want to call it that way, complete drivers. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's there's there is an argument that if you want a true world champion, you've got to do as many disciplines as you can. Yes. And IndyCar has F1 covered because F1 does. We do road courses, and we do street courses. That's all we do. We do nothing else. IndyCar truck and ovals and make everyone shit themselves or every F1 driver shit themselves. Yes. Because I don't know any F1 driver who's gone to America and not shat their pants other than maybe Mansell. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, in fairness, I don't think you could ever make Mansell shit himself. Because <laughs> he's just not built that way. Um, but it's, it's... And then... With IndyCar, when it comes to street courses, that's a whole other level to an F1 street course. Yeah. Because although Monaco's there, that's a bit odd. Normally, it's an Azerbaijan, it's a Singapore, it's all pretty decent tracks. They're quite wide, quite safe, quite good. But in America, or IndyCar, you have Belle Isle. Yeah, it's a proper street course. You've got Toronto. In every sense of the word, it's a street course in yeah, the middle of a street. Exactly. And yeah, a proper street course, which they haven't relayed, knowing that the cars are going to be going over there. So it's going to be, when well, we put the rules up, get on with it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the same. There, there's a strong argument, there's, there, there's an argument that NASCAR drivers are more complete as well on the basis Ooh. they do road courses, they do the ovals. They do. They don't. Do, they're doing a street course, aren't they? They go to Chicago. I seem to think. I seem to recall. Yes. And they do dirt. Yes. And by that metric, NASCAR drivers are the most complete drivers in the world. But it's not that simple. <laughs> that you know that sounded a, like a bit of a stretch to me, and I'm gonna say a bit in like a very literal sense, because yeah, you're right. They race basically everywhere, or they're going yeah. to next year you know adding street courses yeah but, you know giving that 80 percent of the world races and it's you know courses that you turn left and right yeah i don't know there's still 
Two steps. Yeah, I'm. I'm being facetious. I will say, but it's if you're. Yeah, the argument we're going down is IndyCar drivers more complete, and I would tend to agree in terms of the skill set. I was just being a bit facetious with NASCAR, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Should we, we read Graham Rahal's tweet just to cap it off? Oh, yes. And then segue yes. into the F1 champion. Uh... Let's see. I'll take the one that sounds like a protest. I can picture Graham Rahal sitting with a you know a giant billboard at Indy Motor Speedway. Damn right. F1 is an elitist sport. They don't want us. Remember that. They want U.S. companies' money. They want wealthy U.S. individuals' money. But they don't care about the rest. Always been that way. Always will be. Accompanied by a fire emoji. It should also be noted, he is re- he's quote-tweeting Dave Moody of NASCAR. Uh, where? Let me see. Oh, here he is. Yes, he is. And Dave Moody, I quite like. I've got a bit of time for him. And I He's have to agree, Dave Moody. Yeah, I got. Yeah. I read the one he's he's quoting someone else, not, but I just find the Moody one. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one you quoted, he was. Yeah, it was a quote tweet with Dave Moody, but it's um. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's a very um. IndyCar biased view. But I can see why he's come to it because it, from his point of view, it probably looks that way. Because F1's not taken an American-based driver for ooh a while. It's at least from although the Alexander is at least five years. It would have been Bourdais came over from Champ Car. No, but didn't we had an American guy? I can't remember. We had we had Rossi. We had Rossi, but he came through the ranks in Europe. He did. He was GP a GP two winner, so he's come up through that way. I'm thinking taking literally taking someone from IndyCar and plonking them in an F1 car. Oh, so I I, I'm thinking it's Bourdais. I'm not a clue. I I probably wasn't even born. (laughs) I think you might have been born for that one. For you was that? Bourdais was 2008 2009. Ooh, no, that was actually a year before you started watching F1. Ah, but you were born. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to, yeah, I can't. Um, there's probably someone, there's someone, probably someone listening going, no, it's this person, but I can't <laughs> think of anyone at this point. No, it must be, I can't, there can't be anyone else. Yeah, it must be Bourdain. That's where my mind is at the moment. I'm now at the point where I can't think of anyone else. And it's, it looks bad from an American racer's point of view. Mm-hmm. But the cold fact, cold hard facts are a lot of them aren't good enough. And a lot of them aren't indexing themselves to F1 either. Because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's one thing to be good enough for F1. And in as a, the list I said earlier with the McLaughlin. Power, New Garden Award, etc. There are t- drivers there who are more than capable of being very competitive in F1. It is a question of whether they're advertising themselves to be in F1. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, because I know uh, New, New Garden did GP3, didn't it? But I don't think there are many drivers other than maybe Palo, who did a lot of European based stuff, and Award. Who have openly, maybe Rosenquist, openly tried to get into F1. Mm-hmm. And that will have a large effect because you got, if you're an F1 team, you've got all these guys in F2 and F3 who are going, pick me, pick me for your team, pick me. <laughs> and if you've got all those people wanting to come to you, why would you necessarily look at another series based in another country where the drivers aren't going pick me? Mm-hmm. You're not naturally going to you're naturally going to go for the people 
who are screaming in your face and that you see every week, yeah, you're going to pick them. Because not only are they there, you know them, you can get to know them quickly, they know how the paddock works. And because they want it as much as they do, their motivation is going to be through the roof. Mm-hmm. That's not saying IndyCar drivers won't have any motivation should they get an offer for an F1 drive. But it may not be as high. And it's it's things like that which will affect F1 teams taking drivers from the US. And it's, on from a basic level, on the outside, Graham Rail's right, it looked bad, it is an elitist sport, but then all motorsport at the top level is elitist. The amount of money you need to get there, it, it comes with the territory. Especially when your name is Graham Rahal and the team you drive for is called Rahal Letterman Lanagan and your dad runs the damn team. And the other two guys hint, have a shit ton of money. Hint of irony. I say a hint at a massive slab of it. But it's it does from his point of view. I can see his point of view. I can see what he's trying to do and what where he's thinking. But I don't think it's quite as black and white as that. It's way more nuanced. Yeah. I mean, I think we mentioned that talking before go actually, you know, hitting the record button is not that they don't want US drivers. They just don't want them from India. Yeah. That there is there is um whether it's right or wrong, there is a perception that F3 and F2 will prepare you well for F1. That doesn't necessarily count for Indy Lights and Indy Pro 2000. Is it Master Pro 2000 or Indy Pro 2000? The Pro 2000 series. Yes. It The perception is that those two series don't prepare you as well for F1 as F2 and F3 do. I could not say either way whether they do or not. Mm-hmm. But the because IndyCar is perceived to be a lower formula, therefore its feeder series will be lower than the feeder series of F1. Mm-hmm. And it's if you're if you're trained in Indy Pro, Indy Lights, IndyCar, you how many teams are going to go? Your F1 quality. Yeah. How many of them are just going to go? Boom, straight in. Not even half. Yeah, it's going to be so rare to get a super, super talent going up through Indy who is, you could put straight in F1 car, F1 car and boom, they're off. I think Colton Herter could be that person, potentially. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It, it's all about perception. I don't, until you start getting an influx of people jumping from Indy Lights to F1 which ain't going to happen anytime soon, right or wrong, it's going to keep on being that way. And you're right. It's not about American drivers because they're American drivers throughout Europe. And if you're good enough, an F1, F1 team's going to take you. Mm-hmm. It's just how F1 works. It, they don't care where you're from. They don't care what you look like. And, and I don't think they'll care whether you're male or female. Yeah, when the time once comes the to... talent's there and right in your face, you're going to take it. Yeah, and unfortunately, then yeah, Indy IndyCar is on the back foot because of perception at this time. Mm-hmm. I'll say one more thing before we cap it off and move into the actual IndyCar champion, just to put the last bit of my agenda about Indy drivers being more complete about uh, than F1 drivers. F1 and the FIA could learn a shit ton looking at the uh, IndyCar feeder series about how to sustain the series, how to keep your drivers motivated to stay in the system, and how to put them into the big show without them failing or going completely broke. Yeah. So exactly. It's um the what we had we had how many rookies did we have this year? Uh, like four or five. So I'm gonna I'm gonna discount Ilot. And Lundgaard on the basis they came from F2. But you've got Kirkwood, Di Francesco, and um oh, who's the other one? Oh, yeah. 
Um, uh, Kubu Di Francesco. Malukas. Malukas. There we go. You've got three drivers there who, to back up your point, they've come through the system and they're going to want to stay in that system because they've gone through it. They know what it is. They know what their reward is. Keep and in mind, keep in mind, and this is especially for F1, um, I know, I know the guys are, you know, I, I know, um, I completely forgot his name. God damn it. The, um, the Liberty Media guy, the one with the mustache. I, Chase Carey. Yeah, that guy. Pretty sure that guy <laughs> is listening to this show um, while watching a game of the Atlanta Braves on the TV. All those guys, you know, those guys admitted into the rookie class got a $10,000 grant just for living expenses when they made it into Indy Lights. Just start with that. Nice. That would be, that'd be a good incentive guys coming to from formula three to left two yeah transition you want to do yeah because i know f1 does have this rather libertarian outlook of all for one and one for all well, no, just all for one basically don't even get the second bit and it's just a wild west element of just fend for yourself get on with it yeah if you get there if you get to f1 good on you but might get kicked out in two years, in which case, bye. Yep. It's it's not inducive to keeping people in the system, particularly talents who have gone through the system up through GP3, F F3, etc., and then not gone on to have good careers when they could have done had they been given a bit more nurturing, a bit more time in the sport. Look at Marcus Ericsson. He was pretty decent in F1, I think. I think he's underrated, particularly he was... There were times in 2018 when he was making Leclerc look a bit, a bit rubbish. But he has now gone on to win the Indy 500 and was in the title fight yeah. until the final yeah. race. And pretty much had, to the very end. Yeah, And had Ganassi been the better team at Laguna, he may have been champion. Mm-hmm. And... I... It's it's one of those ones where you feel like he'd be a lot better in F one now. It's it's not a talent that's been lost because he did have a few years in F one, but a bit more time he may have got further on. And it's one day you're going to lose a proper proper talent. It's yeah. like a, it's like Chelsea Football Club. You have all these players on loan, bouncing in and out. They play for a couple of games, don't do very well. They get sent out, get bought, and then you end up with Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne. Two absolute world-class players who weren't quite given enough time. It's the same for F1 as a series looking at its drivers. A bit more time, a bit more nurturing. You'd get better drivers. You'd lose the Mazepins of this world because they would never get in. And... It's a win-win, but because of the way F1 is, it's just, yeah, it's an absolute wild west. Comparisons, again, on point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're on it The entire show so far, comparisons We're on it. absolutely on point. Top four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Now, let's move actually into the the new IndyCar champion, Will Power. Yes, Returning IndyCar champion, I am very happy to see him win it because he was. He may not have been the fastest driver of this year, and arguably New Garden was, but he was the best driver. I think the right man won. He came up big when when it mattered. Oh yeah, yeah. I think had Dixon not got himself a speeding penalty in, in the, at the five hundred, uh, would have been very different yeah. coming into the last few races. But Power didn't make that mistake. It still stinks. Oh, it's it, it's unfortunate because it would have been very interesting to see what Dixon yeah. would have done. Mm-hmm. But it's it's yeah, it's one thing to be good, it's one thing to be winning, it's another thing to actually not make the mistake and win. Mm-hmm. And he only won one race. Yeah. Which yeah. is if you look at it, mental. It's crazy. Particularly his New Garden won five. Yeah. And on different types of tracks. I mean, he was the guy that got oh, yeah. the- the million dollars for charity for winning 
Yeah. The first guy that won a race at every single tap track. And it's, yeah. The fact he didn't get much closer to, well, the fact he didn't actually win the whole thing is quite stunning, but he's got a decade on on willpower, so he'll, he'll have his time again. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad to see Will Power actually win it because I think he deserved a second championship in previous years, but lacked the luck. One final bit of uh, news from IndyCar. Um, Ooh. I'm pretty sure you guys saw it. Um, the champion for 2021 actually signed a deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I saw that. I saw him go. Yeah, I'm going to be at the team for next year. We. Yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to stay at the number ten. And I just thought, oh, my God, <laughs> you lost. How much begging did you do to Chip Ganassi yeah. to keep that seat? Because he'd have every right just to kick him out. Yeah, totally. Because, yeah, Pelo was, uh, Laguna, he was on it and properly on it. But the rest of the season, he's been crap. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. uh I mean, you mentioned Laguna Seca. Um, obviously, you know, the country could have been signed by then and they just didn't make it public. But he yeah. came out of the car and I was thinking, okay, this is going to be an odd one. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a really odd one. Yeah. And, oh, God. I'm, I'm, oh, if it all starts going wrong next year, Chip Ganassi is going to be on Palo like nothing else. Oh, yeah. He's going to kick himself on the foot. I like Chip Ganassi because he's very, he's straight talking. He's very much on-the-nose kind of person. There's no BS around him. It's not like Michael Andretti where there's... Or even Roger Penske where you know that they're, they're keeping it themselves, they're being sensible, say the right things at the right time, unless you really piss off Michael Andretti. Chip Ganassi will... Yeah, if he thinks you're an idiot, he'll punch you in the face. Yeah. It's, it's quite funny, and I like him for that. But it's... Yeah, if it does go wrong, oh, the drama... Also, last thing I want to mention with Laguna Seca, it was heartbreaking. What? It was heartbreaking. What? It was heartbreaking. It was. He was doing so well. He started on the front row. He checked in. He was right. No, no, no. He was no, no. I lot. He started on the front row. He was in the top five. He was possibly looking at a podium at some point. And then he, his engine goes. Yeah. Why did it not go in Portland? Why did it not go? At any other race. Why did it go there? When he's going for the best result, he's going to get in the championship. It's annoying. Why? <laughs> one time he qualifies within two, te- within almost within a tenth or something of power, wasn't it? He's got one of the fastest cars on the grid. He's looking like he's on for a top five and possibly make, making a massive statement of intent for next year. But no! Not fair. <laughs> Dear listeners, uh- what you just listened to, what just graced your ears, was the elder of the Hunt brothers losing his mind. Oh, I've already lost it. This was just cherry on top. Yeah, he but... held it for two weeks. <laughs> Coming into the show. No, I'm so annoyed. Oh, so very, annoying. Very unfortunate. And it's, I know. It's, um, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just pilot season condensed in a single race. Comedy bit aside, that lap from Islet was absolutely sick. Bang on. It was brilliant. And yeah. it's if if Junkers can actually keep going forwards, yeah, I'm looking forward to what they can do next year. Look, they got the backing of the Argentine government, so Oh do they? I, I see no way they can not go. Also, just um, see who their te- who his teammate will be, because oh, I yes. thought it was I thought it was going to be Rosenquist, but the whole Polo staying at Ganassi thing has meant Rosenquist stays at McLaren. Mm-hmm. So it's a free choice. Who would you pick? I would, I would pick one of the guys from Indy Lights. I'd be tempted because it's I know Ilot's not exactly experienced in the car, but he's. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's been around for a while, actually. So it's he was an F2 in 2019, I think he was. So he's he's been at a decent level before IndyCar for a while. So it's 
Oh, question is, who do you pick? Well, we have five minutes. I got one bit of news to share in the show. Um, so I would try to do my pick the next show. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, we had six minutes left, and there's one big bit of news. Um, the man that essentially built Toyota in NASCAR, the sole face of the Red T and Toyota racing development in the U.S., will no longer be driving a Toyota car for next season in NASCAR. Oh, yes. That's the oh, big yes. thing. You know, changing teams, is it's not. I mean, Kyle Busch, I just, I, yeah, I just realized that I gave a ton of context, but I didn't say the name of the driver. Kyle Eminem Busch, man. the Eminem man, has uh, changed teams for uh, the next season. He's going from Joe Gibbs Racing to RCR, Rachel Childress Racing. So he's going from Toyota to Chevrolet? Chevy. Uh, ho, ho, ho. The man That's who a... made Toyota what it is in NASCAR, the man who shut up every single redneck critic there was, like, why is this car driving here? It's a fucking Japanese car. Should have no place in NASCAR. He shut them all up. Gave them two driver championships, their first win, and a ton of championships and wins at the Xfinity level. Oh, did he as well? Oh, well. Yeah, with his own team, which is another big bit because his own team will have to change from Toyota to Chevy. Wow. Yes. Ouch. I wouldn't be scared if I'm Toyota because they got a bunch of great drivers in their academy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's, I can't imagine Toyota put all their eggs in oh no Bush's basket absolutely not but it is the end of an era yeah that feels quite big actually yeah because I I, 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 didn't, I haven't read much into it I just know it exists that he's moving teams I didn't realise he was going from Toyota to Chevy oh yes it's it's not the team it's a manufacturer that's akin to going to, from Holden to Ford in V8 supercars so which is just have, mental he's been racing his whole life with uh, Holden well, no, it's it's more if you were to go from a Holden driver and then jump to Ford, the rivalry rivalry between the two manufacturers is huge in Australia, and well, it's one of those ones go. It that's the only comparison I've got because oh, yeah. and it, it, it it's just short. massive. You just don't do it. <laughs> but but even then, it falls short. I mean, when Toyota well, came into NASCAR, they were the laughing stock of the entire championship. They, you know, these guys are Japanese. These guys got nothing on us. Not on Dodge, not on Ford, not on Chevy. And Bush was essentially the tool to prove everyone wrong. And it's it's been very successful because I, I always know Toyota as being in NASCAR and not a laughing stock in NASCAR either. Thanks. From what I remember. Um, yeah. Point leader for them, wins leader for them. Two championships at Cup Series, four at the Truck Series, three at the Xfinity Series. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, he's gone. Nice. Massive win. That's a lot of wins. Oh, a yeah. lot of silverware. And as for his place in the car, in the 18 car, which will no longer be M&M's either because they're, uh, they're pulling out at a, sponsoring the 18 car. And they actually made it clear uh, a couple of weeks ago that whatever whoever driver ended up in the car, they were not going to sponsor uh, the okay. 18 car anymore. Um, the 18 car might just go for uh, go to Joe Gibbs's grandson, Ty Gibbs. I didn't realize they were related. Oh yes, they are. <laughs> Probably should have thought about it, but I didn't think about it. I didn't. And he's pretty good. Put two and two pretty good, and he's been covering for Kurt Busch. With, you know, yeah, with uh, and he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, Ty Gibbs is a name I know in terms of he seems to be near the front. So it's, uh, yeah, can't be a bad driver. We got a minute 45. I just wanted to mention, now that we're into NASCAR and this side of the world, happy Hispanic Heritage Month to everyone celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. 
Well, <laughs> why would I not encourage that? Happy is Men and Heritage Month and just fuck all to every single company in the world that puts, uh, you know, the end we have like, it is like a curl on top of it. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, there's many companies in this world that think that putting one of those things in your logo makes you Hispanic and that's clearly not the case. Yeah. It's and, like putting an umlaut over a U if you're trying to be German, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or adding extra O's and U's. If I want to be yeah. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. And then that terrible disappointing. And on the agenda that IndyCar drivers are more complete than F1. And a perfect <laughs> show in terms of comparisons. It's oh, yes. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.